Thank you for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we show that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. Here is your host, Chase Green. Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 8 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is Season 2 with the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcasts. I'm certainly thankful to be a part of Scattered Abroad. You can check out our website at scatteredabroad.org. There are many different podcasts that you can choose from, and uh, the HET content is ever-growing. And so uh, if you're just now tuning into the Scattered Abroad Network for the first time, go and look at uh, all of our uh, past episodes, there's plenty for you to choose from. You can uh, listen to them for a long time uh, before you get caught up. But today I want to highlight one of our Scattered Abroad Network podcasts, and we're going to highlight the uh, Diligent Podcast with Joshua Cantrell. This is a podcast that premieres on Saturdays at the Scattered Abroad Network, and uh, Joshua really brings the, the text of the Bible to life, and it really is uh, doing a great job on the Diligent Podcast, helping us to be diligent in our walk with Christ. So I hope that you'll check that podcast out on Saturdays at the Scattered Abroad Network. Well, we're continuing our study of the book of James this week on the Everyday Christian Podcast, and we want to look at today James chapter 5, part 1. Last week we covered an entire chapter, so hopefully today you'll appreciate again uh, splitting these in two. But today we're going to look at uh, riches, and that's something that we've covered a little bit in this book already. Uh, back in chapter 2 we talked about partiality in particular uh, as it pertains to the well-dressed man who comes in versus the, the brother of lowly estate that comes in. And then also in chapter 1, we've also talked about how a low brother can glory in his exaltation versus the rich in his humiliation. The idea being there that there's this equality, this level playing field, spiritually speaking, in Christ. Also in James chapter 5 here, we're going to talk about patience. We're also going to talk about waiting on the Lord. And again... Once again, uh, we've mentioned this a lot in this book. We're going to talk about another sin of the tongue, this time the sin of grumbling. Verses 1 through 6, we want to start off today by talking about a rude awakening for the sinful rich. Notice I said the sinful rich. You see, it's not inherently sinful to be rich. Uh, we have examples in the Bible of people who are rich, uh, but were godly people, and that was fine, and, and they were good stewards of those riches, and, and that's a great thing. I think of men like Abraham and uh, Joseph after he was promoted in Egypt, and Job and, and David. Uh, but with riches comes the great temptation to take our eyes off of God, uh, to place all of our priorities on ourselves, striving to gain more and more and more riches and luxuries of life rather than focusing on God and focusing on others. So it in many ways can be a hindrance uh, to faithfulness. First Timothy 6 verse 10 says, For the love of money, an emphasis on the love of money, 
is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, or King James says they, they coveted after, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The same text says in verses 17 through 19 that uh, it, it instructs those who are rich how they can still be faithful Christians. It says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share or uh, distribute, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So James is going to make a lot of the same points here in James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse number 1, James says this, Come now, you rich, and then he says, Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. So right off the bat, we need to notice that the implication here is James isn't talking about faithful Christians who are rich. No, he's talking about the sinful rich. That's certainly implied here in James 5, verse 1. Jesus said it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Not impossible, but very, very, very difficult because it's so easy for the rich to get caught up with the cares of the world. And compared to all of human history and compared to many places even today, uh, my most of my audience, not all of my audience, but most of my audience uh, listening here in the United States of America, we are richly blessed with physical blessings. And uh, perhaps some of my listeners in other countries, uh, you may not have as much wealth as as we here in the United States are accustomed to. And one thing that comes with uh, receiving all of the, the luxuries and comforts of life in uh, industrialized nations such as the United States, it's very easy for us to get comfortable and complacent. And and we think, oh, well, I've got it all, and, and life's good, everything's great. And before you know it, you take your eyes off of, of Christ. Uh, it may be that some of my listeners in, in um, some other countries that um, do not have as much by way of, of wealth, maybe you find it much easier to uh, focus on God and, and to relate with uh, first-century Christians who many of them were not wealthy at all. Some were, but, but many were not. And certainly, I'm sure it, it helps to uh, think about our inheritance in heaven. And particularly, uh, if, we, if we don't have very much in this life, then that makes us long for that uh, heavenly inheritance even more uh, compared to those who have a lot here in this life. So uh, for my American audience and uh, similar nations as far as wealth is concerned, we need to be careful and we need to realize that our wealth and our comforts and our luxuries of life and our, our vehicles, our cars and our houses and all these things, uh, it's not a sin to have nice things, but at the same time, they can take our eyes off of the prize. 
and they can distract us and we can become so concerned with the cares of the world that we end up becoming unfaithful. So I just want to uh, warn ourselves uh, not to be caught up in that. Jesus told the rich young ruler this. He said, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Again, uh, could that be us? And if so, uh, we better we better get our hearts right, because uh, those possessions, they're not going to be here on the Day of Judgment. We're not going to be able to take them with us. There's never a hearse with a luggage rack behind it. It doesn't happen. So something we all need to consider. Verse number 2, James says, Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. At the end of this life, those riches, they're not going to do anything for us. Absolutely nothing. We're never going to see a hearse with a luggage rack. We're never going to see a U-Haul trailer being pulled behind a hearse. It just does not happen. Can't take those things with you to the grave where we're going. Verse number 3, uh, James says, Your gold and your silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. These treasures are going to serve no purpose at the end of time. Earthly treasures will mean absolutely nothing. Uh, heavenly riches will be absolutely everything. And so we don't need to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But we need to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where our treasure is, our heart will be also, Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. The late brother V.P. Black wrote a book called Rust as a Witness, and he took that title from this verse here in James 5, verse 3. And it's a book about giving. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I don't really like Brother Black's tone in some of in some of what he says in that book, but he at the same time he does bring out some really important points about uh, giving to the Lord and His work and, and giving to others as well. And uh, at the basically he says at the end of the day, look, this money is just going to rust, and, and that rust is going to be a witness against us. The, the important thing is what did we do with the money that we had? Were we good stewards of it? And, and did we give properly to the Lord and to His church and, uh, and to others when we have opportunity as well? Now, verse number 4, James says, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. In other words, these, these particular employers were taking advantage of their employees. They weren't giving them fair wages. They were defrauding them of fair uh, wages. And, and James says, look, God noticed that. And you're going to pay for it on the day of judgment. It's not going to be good on the day of judgment for those who accumulate their wealth by taking advantage of people, by being fraudulent, by cheating on taxes. Uh, some people do that, and we need to make sure we remember that we, we render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Verses 5 and 6, James says this, You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury, you have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just, 
He does not resist you. The sinful means of garnering wealth continue, condemning people to unfair judgments carried out by wicked judges who accepted bribes, uh, committing murder for money. Has that ever happened? Yes. Uh, Life insurance, right? Uh, James says that these sinful, and, and I mean, when I said life insurance, I meant, you know, committing murder for the life insurance. Uh, James says that these sinful rich have lived opulent lives of pleasure and luxury, but what's the cost for that? Well, in view of such gross taking advantage of the lower classes of society, James now moves on to remind the average Christian that were likely very poor in those days, most of them would have been, that they need to be patient and they need to wait for the Lord, verses 7 and 8. Verse 7 says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord, seeing how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. Just like a farmer has to wait a long time before he gains the harvest, we have to wait patiently for the Lord's return and the day we will be with Him in heaven. Galatians 5 verse 5 says, For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due time or in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. So we have to be patient. We have to wait on the Lord through the various trials of life. Verse 8, James says, uh, You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Probably a better translation would be the coming of the Lord is drawing near. And that's the idea. The idea that every day that goes by is another day that is closer to the coming of the Lord. 1 Peter 4 verse 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So, we don't need to lose heart. We don't need to faint in the way. Uh, even when if we begin to think, well, why can't I have all the nice things that these rich people have? We don't need to think like that. We need to think about the riches that we're storing up for ourselves in heaven. Hebrews 2 verses 1 and 2 says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. Uh, with patience, the law, the the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, verse number nine. Uh, we're going to conclude the podcast here today. Verse number nine. Another warning against the tongue grumbling. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. We need to realize that grumbling is a condemnable offense. Why was it that the Israelites were condemned to wander in the wilderness? Was it not in part because of their grumbling? Listen to Numbers 14, verse 29. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. 
all of you who were numbered, according to your entire number, from 20 years old and above. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 10 says that those who complained were destroyed by the destroyer. Philippians 2 verse 14 says, Do all things without complaining and disputing. Nobody likes a whiner. I understand bad things happen in life, and those bad things affect our emotions accordingly in negative ways. But at the same time, do we have a right to grumble and complain? Do we have a right to have this mindset of, oh, woe is me. Why me? The Bible says that contentment will go a long way to combat this sinful attitude of grumbling. Godliness with contentment is great gain, 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. Of all the people in this world, Christians should be the most content. Christians, of all the people in the world, should be most godly. Christians, of all the people in the world, should be the most positive, optimistic people one would meet. If not, we have to ask ourselves, why not? Of all the people in the world, Christians should not be pessimistic, griping grumblers. Just something for us to think about, because to tell the truth, it's probably something we all have struggled with from time to time. James wraps this up. He says this, verse number 9, Behold the judge is standing at the door. Well, we need to remember that, don't we? God is our judge. He's standing at the door. And we will be judged for the things that we do in the body one day. Thank you for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast. I hope that you're enjoying the podcast. If you would, please uh, like our Facebook page, our Instagram account, and uh, at scatteredabroad.org. Also, hit the follow button. uh, Share as well, please. And and also like us in the App Store and um, give us a rating and and, uh, write down your comments and, and things in the App Store. And that really helps us. Uh, it helps us to grow these podcasts by by bumping us up higher uh, in a search display uh, in the App Store. So if you would, please do those things, and that will greatly help us to uh, promote the various podcasts, including the Everyday Christian Podcast, at the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcasts. Well, tune in next week, and Lord willing, we will finish up our study of the book of James. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.